Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. I was just thinking about um, the church as we know it today. And for many of you, you might have come here for the first time and you see the lights, and you see a platform, and you see an incredible worship band. And sometimes it can feel like it's a concert or a gig or, you know, a performance you can go to. And that's not a surprise, but that's not what it is. Each seat that you're sitting on, what it actually is, is a hospital bed. And it's a hospital bed for each one of us, for myself included. Actually, this is a place where Jesus comes and He's ministering to you. And if you're going through stuff, if you're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get through this week, if you've had bad news, if, if you've had good news, you just need a checkup. You're in the right place. Because I believe that Jesus is going to minister to you today. He's going to speak to your situation. He's going to speak to you. He's going to breathe life back into you. And that's our prayer as a church, that this isn't just a a gig or a concert, something that you just sit at and just observe. Actually, this is a place where you find wholeness, a place where you regain strength to face the way, a place where Jesus Himself is going to speak to you. He's the doctor. He's a doctor for me. I'm not here to nurse you. The staff here aren't here to care for you. It's Jesus is here in this place. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you're in this. Jesus, we thank you that you are the great physician, that you called all those who are sick, who need a doctor in this sick world we live in. We need you more than ever before. So I pray that you speak to us, increase our expectations. I thank you that there is health and wholeness today, that there is healing in the house today, that people will literally walk out hell, whole and healthy. And all they're doing, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Hey, give yourselves a massive round of applause. And can we give a huge online welcome to all those watching? I'm aware Pastor John Chantel. It is good to have you through the airwaves today. It's so good to have so many people joining us online. And uh, who's excited to unpack the Word of God? It's a real privilege uh, to share the Word because I know the impact that the Word has had on my life. And, and if you're in here today and you're thinking, is it going to just be another word? I, I'm believing that God's going to speak to you and speak to your situation. Something crazy happens when we gather together because God's a big God. He's a powerful God. And he cares and he knows about each and every one of your situations. And it's hot. So that means things can go a little bit crazy because we don't know what's going to happen. Have you ever met someone defined by a place? The, the kind of person that can't help but tell you, I was there. Maybe it was a great-grandparent who's reminiscent of kind of the war stories. And every Sunday lunch you'd go to, they'd be reminiscent of the adventures they had in their youth. Or the other type of person, and I think we all probably know one, is the Disney fan. <laughs> the Disney fan is a person that tells you about how good Disneyland is. And they'll just reminisce the stories from 2009 when they went on that family holiday to Florida. Or what about the Norwich City superfan that will remind you of the time they met the Royals 
on the 5th of October at the Norwich City Aston Villa game. I think we've got a photo of these because these are members of our own church. That's King Kev and Phil Lee. I didn't realise this, but Phil Lee and King Kev, who became, he got knighted by the Royals, so that's an official legal title. They've been in the Vogue magazine. Like, who can say they've been in Vogue other than King Kev and Phil Lee? So let's give those boys a round of applause because Kev... You don't appear to me to be a Vogue model with that kind of beard, but put that on your CV. You see, places are important because places define us. They shape us who we are. The places we've been to actually form the tapestry of life, right? And I wonder if there's places that define who you are today. The place you were born, the place you studied, the place you have lived the places that your parents worked, the places that you've worked, the places that you wished to work, the places that you've triumphed in, and the places that you've lost at. Many of us will remember days, and I thought it was funny because I heard Sam Mooney preach, and he started literally in the same way, and I hadn't seen his notes, and I hadn't heard what God was speak, speaking about through him, but he started talking about places, and I think that's significant because Many of us remember the place we were when the Twin Towers fell. I remember I was just a little kid watching it on the news and confusion. For some of you, you remember where you were when you heard the tragic news about Princess Diana and that car crash. Many of you still remember, in recent memory, where you were when we saw Italy win the Euros. Some of you guys are laughing now. Other you guys are... See, places have a profound impact on our lives. And each place leaves a mark. Maybe a photograph on a wall. Maybe a, a used ticket stub in a memory box. Or maybe more than that. Maybe a scar on our heart. Maybe even a scar physically on us. See, a few summers ago, I had the best job ever. I don't think they're here, but I worked at Glide Surf School in Cromer. Now, let me tell you, if you guys are looking for a summer job, that is the place to go. Because it was an incredible job. You're literally working on the beach, you're getting a tan, you're eating ice cream. Everything that you imagine working at a surf shop is. It was a cool job. It was a really cool job. And when I was working at the surf shop on the Norfolk coast, and just for the online viewers, Norfolk has probably one of the best coastlines in the world. Am I right? Who is heading to the beach today? Just put your hand up if you're thinking, I'm going to get out there. No, okay, yeah, two of you. Great, great. You guys should go to the beach. I feel like I'm always trying to sell the Norfolk coastline because it is fantastic. So if you're watching online, come over, place the holiday, come and visit Seoul. But let me tell you about my time at Glide Surf School. There was this one problem. I did not know the ins and outs of the surf industry. I didn't know the technicalities of what it meant to be a surfer and the products. I let into a real secret. I can't really surf. And I was working in a surf shop. And, and there's uh, so much training I had, but there's still so much I didn't know. And I could just about tell you what end of a surfboard is the front. And I could just about tell you what kind of wetsuit you'd need to wear. But that was about it. Because what I realized is it didn't matter. Because I looked the part. I looked the part. 
I, I was all tanned and blonde and had a cap back to front. Walking around barefoot, we just gave up on shoes. And I encapsulated what it meant to look like a surfer, but it's because the place had started to define me. I was a product of a place. But more than that, the place I was in, the beach, the surf shop, it started to define my purpose. It started to define who I was. And I had no clue whatsoever what I was talking about. And I'd be grabbing someone who knew what they were talking about to help me. I remember once I was in a shop and it was a, a morning and it wasn't really ideal surf conditions for us. So it wasn't sunny, but the waves were going. And so all the hardcore surfers, they're out there. And this guy comes in, he starts asking me about fins. And luckily, another local surfer had come in there. And he didn't work for the shop. He was just kind of in the scene. And I actually got him to to do the transaction and the trade, because I didn't know what I was selling. I said, Stan, could you come and help me and tell me what this guy needs? That's how little I knew. Because people wanted to ask me these questions because the place had gone deeper within me. They thought and they assumed that I knew about it. And so much so that whenever the news needed an update on beach safety, beach cleanliness, surfing trends, um, how much sun cream is appropriate, or should dogs be allowed on the beach? That is a contentious argument on the north coast of Norfolk. Guess where they'd go to get an interview? ITV lunchtime news would come to me. <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> and I think there's a photo of it. <laughs> That's me on the news. <laughs> Literally going out to homes all across this country. Pretending I'm an expert on something I knew nothing about. Literally nothing. Now, the good thing was the guy next to me, he was an experienced surfer. But I just had some fun with it. Because I didn't have a clue what I was talking about. But the place I was in had shaped me more than I'd realized. You see, yesterday's places give us our practices of today. And from these places, our professions can form. But ultimately, the place we've been in can dictate our purpose. Because I worked in a surf shop, people assumed I was an experienced surfer. The reality was, that wasn't who I was. That wasn't the purpose of my life. And we live in a purpose-hungry world. The number one thing that I see young people, young adults, students, young professionals walk talking about, they're like, what is my purpose? What should I do in my life? And I actually don't think it stops with them. I think every single one of us in this room is questioning, is this my purpose? What is my purpose? Because it gets dangerous because we find ourselves seeking purposes in places that we never meant to be in. And we can look for purpose and look for our own identity in relationships, in paychecks and bank balances, in the car keys that are in our pockets, in the empty wine bottles, in recycling. All different places we can find our purpose. And we are seeking that in a place we'll never find it. And I wonder what places have shaped your purpose. I wonder what places you've been to. Maybe a place of pain, a place of hurt, a place of addiction, a place of rejection, a place of fear, a place of disappointment. See, what I love about Jesus' life, and as we're unpacking this series, 
for the book of Matthew is Jesus is continually giving purpose to people. He's repurposing people's places of pain. He's repurposing places of stress, places of disappointment, places of hurt. You see, Jesus can do two things. He can repurpose the place you're in. And he can also give you a new place and a new purpose. Jesus doesn't want your purpose to be defined by a place he never intended you to visit. And if you're taking notes, which I encourage you to do, because if you're anything like me, I just get distracted. (laughs) And if you're watching online, just jot some things down, because I want to talk about past places and present promises. Matthew 4, 18 says this, Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. I think right now I'd like to be beside the sea. The cool sea breeze. Just picture that. <sighs> Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. And he sees his two brothers, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting nets into the lake for they were fishermen. When I was preparing this, I started researching about fishing. I've never been a fisherman. Actually, I went fishing once. That's a lie. Shouldn't lie in church. I went fishing once, and I caught a perch, the tiniest fish ever. And I was with a guy who could fish, and I got it off the line. And uh, he just terrified me. And you think, it's only a tiny little fish. He said, perches have spines, and they can jab you and stab you. And from then on, I haven't fished again, because I don't know what I'm going to be catching. When I was researching about fishing, it says, for the last century, fishing has regularly made the top five lists of the world's most dangerous jobs. And within the UK, it's still really dangerous. That They did some stats, and they found out that fishermen are six times more likely to die, to die at work. That's crazy stats, isn't it? Like, to be a fisherman, you've got to be hardcore. And is anyone here a fisherman? Put your hand up if you are a fisherman, like a commercial fisherman. We've got some commercial fishermen. A few people have been commercial fishermen. Can we give these guys a round of applause? Because you guys, you may be seeing the documentaries. I'm sure there's some of you guys online. Let us know. But it's crazy. And uh, in Jesus' day, the job was just as scary. It was a dangerous job. But they didn't have the equipment we have today. It was dark. It was dangerous. They'd often fish all year round at crazy hours of the day, at night regularly. Um, And they were accustomed to working long hours, heavy nets, awful weather. These crazy voyages which they probably shouldn't have been undertaking. But they were doing it time and time again. Casting out their nets. Pulling them in. Casting them out. And the amount of times they'd cast them and just pull them in to find there was no catch. Just praying and wishing they'd have a catch so they could go home and feed their families and provide for the ones they loved. And can you imagine being at sea night after night or wasted night after night with no, nothing to show for it, no return? See, I wonder if you've been in a place like that. A place of disappointment, a place where you've just been a dark night, a tiring season, an exhausting place. You've never met a fisherman that that has clean hands, that they're strong men that have been weathered by the elements they've worked in. Maybe you can relate to your single parent day in, day out, casting your nets, 
time and time again. Putting your children to bed. Wishing you had an extra set of hands to help you. An extra set of hands to carry you. Young students, people, you know what it's like. You've just been revising, casting your nets into the textbooks. Casting your nets long into the night and getting your results back and just finding that you didn't do as well as you wanted to do. Maybe the course you set out for wasn't the course that you feel like you can thrive in. Casting your net into a lake simply to make a living. Simply trying to keep your head above the water because that was a place these disciples were in. It was a thankless task. It was a thankless season. It was a thankless place. And they've become slaves to the rhythm of life. They've become a slave to a place of pain, a place of disappointment. They were born into a trade that was set out for them by their father. Set before them long ago by their grandfathers. Often it would be generation to generation would be fishermen's. And I wonder if you can relate to that feeling. You feel stuck in a rut in life. You feel like your purpose has been defined by a place, a place which you're unsure of, a purpose that you never wanted. See, their bodies were bent double. Their, their posture would have been crippled by life. And my question is, does your profession dictate your purpose? Does what you do Monday to Friday dictate your purpose in life? It not only shapes your life, but it shapes your life of your family. I know for so many dads and mums, family life evolves around work. It's understandable. Because we need to make ends meet. But it can shape our very outlook. It can shape our persona. And, and there's a cloud of hopelessness just sitting on us, wondering... Wondering what we're going to do with our lives. You see, I love this because this picture of Jesus walking along the shore. In the midst of this season they're in, Jesus is walking. Who is grateful that Jesus is active? That he's walking into the situation? I don't think it was by chance that Jesus was on that shore. I don't think he just happened to be there. I think it was intentional. I think Jesus intentionally wants to walk into our lives. He wants to walk into the situation you're in. He wants to walk into the midst of that office, of that boardroom. He wants to walk into the midst of that warehouse. He wants to walk into the midst of of your time as a family. Where it's not going the way you thought it was going to go. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee... He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting nets into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. Come, follow me. You can imagine that just in earshot of these two fishermen focusing on the work, Jesus just shouting, Simon, Peter, Andrew. Maybe the names aren't of the disciples. Maybe the names of us. Maybe it's Jane. Maybe it's Ash. Maybe it's Matt. Maybe it's King Kev. Maybe it's my name he's shouting. He knows where you are. How many times have we thought that, God, you don't, you don't know where I'm at right now. Just because you're distant to God doesn't mean he's distant from you. Just because you're not in your Bible doesn't mean that 
God's not keeping tabs on where you're at. He's got plans and purposes. I love that we've, we started to say God's got a plan and purpose. Now God's got plans, plural, multiple plans for your life. Multiple plans for your life. Young people, just because things don't go to plan doesn't mean you're out of God's plans. He's still got plans for your life. And he's calling something out. He's calling something out at each and every one of you. He's aware of your talents. He's aware of your skills. He's aware of your profession. He's aware of your practice. You see, I really believe that today, Jesus wants to put a new purpose onto some of you. Repurpose some of you. Repurpose some of your talents. Repurpose some of the skills. Repurpose some of your strength. You see, what I love most about this story, when you get to verse 19, Jesus says, come follow me. And he says, and I will send you out to fish for people. I'll send you out to fish for people. These were fishermen. Jesus just changed their practice by a degree, didn't he? He didn't say, hey, lay down your let's forget everything you've done for your life. I'm going to teach you a new skill. No, no, he says, I'm going to make you fish for men. I'm, I'm going to make you a fish for something greater than, than what you have been catching. You're going, to, you're going to catch men. You're going to catch lives. You're going to tra- transform individuals. You see, Jesus had a new purpose for the fishermen, Simon, Peter, and Andrew. And God's got new purposes for you. But here's what we've got to understand. The disciples' place didn't change geographically. They still sailed the same sea. They traveled in the same boats. They, they ate the same fish. We know from accounts, they still caught fish every now and then. They wore the same clothes. It actually says that Jesus went through Galilee. Literally, a couple of verses later, verse 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee. That was their neighborhood. That was their homeland. They, they knew that area. Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues proclaiming good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among these people. See, that was the world that they they went from. They went from being on a boat to being with Jesus, but they stayed in the same place. You see, these men knew Galilee. They fished the Sea of Galilee. They knew the markets. They knew the people that worked in the markets. But what did change was their purpose. Jesus gave them a new purpose. He repurposed them. He repurposed their talents. And sometimes we can be desperate to change place. But sometimes God just wants to change our perspective on the place. A new perspective on the place that God has planted us. Showing us the purpose, showing us the reason that God has taken you through this hard season. I'm convinced that every season that's a struggle, God uses all things for good. All things for good. Every lesson you've learned. Every scar that you've picked up. Every loved one that you've lost. Every business that has gone under. Because I'm convinced God's going to use it for His glory. Because that's what the Word of God says. And sometimes we can be desperate just to move place and move out of the current situation we're in. I once heard this said that God doesn't mature us by traveling. He doesn't mature you by traveling you. He matures you by planting you. Planting you in a place in a tough season. But it's the purpose that helps us keep going. And I think there are people here today, you've been thinking, and as I'm preparing this, you've been thinking about 
moving jobs and moving cities and moving UK, uh, locations and, and moving country and moving church maybe. Just saying, I need to get away from this place. I, I need to get away from this situation. It's place of pain. I find myself, I don't want to be here anymore. But I think actually God wants to give you fresh perspective. Fresh perspective on what he's called you to do. He wants to repurpose you in that place. He wants to give you a new purpose in that place. I recently, many of you will know because I keep talking about it, I have recently uh, got my own house, which is brilliant. And, uh, and I had this kind of big dream that I was going to you know, have this little oasis to myself. You know, just the huge flat screen TV, one of those armchairs that massage you. And that's what I was thinking. I was like, I've got a few years before I get married, so I can really have the bachelor pad. Once I'm married, I'll let Chloe kind of do what she wants to do to the place. But for now, I'll make it my little domain. Have the boys over, hang out. Lads, you feeling that? Jacuzzi. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was having this place. And, and God spoke to me. He said, Sam, you've got this idea. This is where you're going to live. You're going to live in this place. You're going to live in this street. But I've actually called you to love this street. Of course, you love where you live. You see, I quite like the idea of just not knowing my neighbours, being friendly but not too friendly, giving them the wave and then closing the door. And God challenged me. He says, no, I've called you to love here. Don't just live here. I want you to love here. And the area I'm in, it's got a lot of need. It's got a lot of need. Many are, uh, they don't own the properties they're in. And it's just, you can tell there's a lot of disruption. All sorts happening, kids running around everywhere. And I ended up speaking to the foundation team, Sam Moody and Hannah. And I said, hey, I said, you don't know there's anyone getting boxes delivered down in my area. And they're like, yeah, yeah, there's actually one, literally one of your neighbors gets a box. So I said, okay. I said, well, can I start delivering? And that was a few weeks ago. And then now there's three on my street. And the reason why I'm telling you that story is because I was challenged that actually my purpose, what I thought was to have this little oasis, God said, no, 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 that isn't your purpose. I'm going to repurpose you for this moment. I want to repurpose you so you go and love individuals. Literally go and be the hands and feet of Jesus where we live. And it's a struggle and it takes effort. And it seems to have rained a lot this month every time I'm delivering these boxes. And it seems to, it just doesn't ever seem to be at the right time. And I seem to get caught in these conversations that go on for far too long. And but I'm trying to do what God's called us to do, and it's super simple, to love people. Go and fish for men and women, fish for the broken, fish for those that need hope. And I wonder if God wants to give you a new purpose in your school, in your university. I wonder if your mission field isn't in some other country, and for some of you it will be that. But I wonder if your mission field is just the desk next to you at work. I wonder if it's just, you know, around the kettle when you're making a cup of tea for your colleagues or the barber shop that you always go to and that one barber you let cut your hair. I wonder if that is the mission field because when we encounter God's love, we find our purpose. And our purpose is to show love and action. Super simple. Love people. Love people. And if these fishermen were still in fact fishermen, but... Jesus commanded them to go after a different catch. And I wonder if your purpose is still to simply catch fish 
or to go and land a catch of men that's going to be far greater than any fish, than any fish you can imagine. Maybe you're thinking, well, Sam, I've worked this job for the last 20 years. What are they going to say on Monday? There's one way to find out. Maybe you're like a single parent. You're like, I've raised these kids and I'm still stuck on my own. I wonder what God can do in that situation. I wonder what God can do. Either God is God or he's not. And let me tell you, he is God. He is the God of miracles. He will make a way. <laughs> Maybe you're like, all I've known is the struggle of the catch. And that's true. Many of us will know the struggle of the catch. But Jesus wants to take you on this journey. And as I was unpacking and looking at this life of these disciples, these fishermen, I was trying to work out how did they get from being fishermen in a boat to being at the pioneers of building the church of today. And as I read the scriptures, something kept coming through. It was Jesus' promises. It was the promises that transformed them. That God's calling you into a place of purpose, but he's, but he's sending you with his promises. Jesus' promises for your life. And we saw it, didn't we? Jesus went through Galilee. He took his disciples, went through Galilee, and he started to teach them and show them healings. And they saw the good news of the kingdom being preached. That's what it said. Verse 23, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. And the disciples were in tow, and they were seeing it with their own eyes. And they have this revelation on who Jesus was. They've, they've sat at the right hand of God and heard exactly who he is and who he was and, and who he's going to be in the future. It's the promises of Jesus. See, I love the Word of God, and, and we often talk about the Word. And you heard Pastor John talk about the importance of reading your Bible. And let me tell you that this book will transform your life faster than any green smoothie, any workout routine. It's super simple. Start reading the Word of God, understanding the promises of Jesus, because the promises of Jesus are powerful. Jesus promises that you're a light to others. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. This is literally scripture right after this encounter these disciples had with Jesus. These are things that Jesus is talking about. You can imagine them sitting around a table, sharing food together. And Jesus is saying, you're the light of the world. They're thinking, what? I'm a fisherman from Galilee. No, no, no. You're the light of the world. Jesus promises us that we're a child of God, that you're a child of God, Rachel. You're a child of God. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean for my identity? Jesus promises that there's rewards in store. Then your father will see what's done in secret and will reward you. Well, I don't deserve a reward. I'm not in it for rewards. But God's a good God who wants to reward you. Jesus promises you that you'll be forgiven. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Matthew 6, 25, Jesus promises us that we do not need to worry about life. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about life. And how many of us have been in those boats 
catching the net, casting the net, day in, day out, disappointed. And we just need Jesus to remind us, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life, but seek first his kingdom and all these things will be given to you. And as we kind of wrap up this message about what the past places we've been in and the present promises, the present promises, they, they lead on something really significant. When we stand on the promises of God, we can walk in the power of God. And that gets exciting. And that gets exciting for this city, Norwich. Because it's exciting for my little street. Because it's exciting for this county. It actually gets exciting for this country. It goes beyond that. It gets exciting because we know that when we're walking in the power of God, we can see change happening in South Africa. We can see change happening in India. We can see change happening in governance. Because when we start walking in the promises of God, we'll understand that Jesus has called us out from a place into a purpose. A, a purpose that, that gives us the power to see people healed, see people set free, a power to love others, a power to speak life, a power to take authority over situations that do not glorify God and say, hey, that is not happening here. That's not happening in this business. You see, the reason I'm in church today is because someone... Used the power of God to speak life into my life. And that name was Simon Chapman. He understood that he had a purpose. He understood that he'd been in a place, but God had repurposed that place. And through the promises of God that he understood for himself, he then used the power of God to speak life into mine. And I came here broken, empty, messed up. God restored me I wonder who you need to encourage this week I can't even remember what Chapa said to me I can't even remember the words he used I was with someone yesterday and they know Chappers and they said they said he came up to him and he encouraged them and they remember him just going to the person next to him and encouraging them also he said at first they were thought what is this guy's game is he just trying to encourage people like, is he just trying to, is he just trying to, has he got an agenda? And then after reflecting about it, he said, no, I realized that that was his gift. He had the gift to speak life, to speak life where death had been spoken, to speak life where there was pain, to speak life when there was uncertainty. That's all he did. That's literally all he did. <laughs> if you know him, you know. And he was incredible at it. And he's transformed lives. I wonder what your purpose is. Maybe it's delivering boxes. Maybe it's knocking on the elderly neighbor's door and saying, hey, would you like to come over for dinner tonight? Hey, is there anything I can help you with? Can I get milk? Maybe it's going above and beyond and saying, you know what? Yeah, I do feel cool. I feel like, I feel like there is a new place that God wants to take me to and it's somewhere overseas. Maybe it's saying, you know what? I'm going to lay my life down for the kingdom. I wonder what it is that God wants you to do. But what I do know is that Jesus is calling us to a fresh place. That Jesus has got purpose for your life. That there are promises for your life. And when you understand the promise for yourself, you can give that promise to others because God's going to give you the power to speak into people's lives, to change the city. I don't know about you, but I'm not happy to see Norwich stay how it is. 
I know we've done an incredible job. I know there's been incredible things that have happened. 2.5 million meals is awesome, but there is more when God is here. There is always more until the kingdom of heaven is a reality in our streets. There is more. I'd love you to stand and I already believe that if some of you, you've been in that season and I know it's hot and but I really feel like this was a word for some of you and hey, even at the end, if you feel like, yeah, that was me, like, I don't know what place I'm in. I feel like there's a change happening. Hey, I'd love to come chat to one of the team. Come and chat to me. I'll be around at the end and I'd love to pray about that. Maybe some of you, you know the place you're in, but you didn't know that you had a purpose in that place. And that's cool. God wants to repurpose you. He's going to commission you. And I'm just going to ask every single one of you to close your eyes. And just hold your hands out in front of you, just like a cup. Because God has got a purpose for each and every one of you. Maybe you just need to remind yourselves of the promises of God. Do not worry, but seek first the kingdom of God. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. If God is for you, who can be against you? Jesus has got plans. He's got purposes. He's got promises. But most of all, He's got His power to see change, real change. You see, the great thing about this being a hospital that once you've been in here, you walk out well. You walk out whole. Yes, yeah, sometimes you need to go back for a bit of physio, a bit of aftercare. That's all right. Just keep going back. But what it does mean, it means that when you see someone in the street and they're broken, you're saying, hey, I know a hostel you can go to where Jesus wants to restore you. He wants to bind you. He wants to give you the splint. He wants to give you the crutches. He wants to get you back to health, full mobility. So I'm just going to pray for all of you. Pray that you have a fresh revelation, that God will speak clearly to those that need a new place, clearly to those that need to be repurposed, like those fishermen. You need to be reminded of the promises that God is still for you. And I believe in that through Jesus' power. Jesus' power, things are going to change. So Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're in this place. We thank you that you've given your church authority to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. God, I thank you that there's people here and you've put new places on their hearts and you're going to pull them to those places. And God, we pray that doors will be opened, that new opportunities will be found for them. God, I pray for those that are questioning their purpose, that you'd speak to them clearly. Maybe someone would come and encourage them, give them a word. Maybe something would happen. And someone would say, hey, this is your purpose. God, I pray that you do each and these significant things, detailed things, because you're a personal God that loves each and every one of these people personally. God, I pray for those that need to stand on your promise, that they'd have a fresh desire for your word. They wouldn't be satisfied with the status quo. And God, we thank you that your power is in this place, that in this place things change, in this church things happen, that people are healed, people are restored. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, there's one more group of people I'd love to pray for. And these are, you know who you are. 
You've come here because you're searching. You come here because you're still on the boat and you don't know Jesus yet. And he's calling your name. He's calling your name. He's not calling a name. He's calling your name. He knows your name. He knows where you're at. He's seen you casting your nets. He's seen you being disappointed. And he's saying, come, come follow me. Come follow me. I've got a place for you. I've got a place for you in my house. And if that's you here today, and you want to make a decision for Jesus, what it means, it means that you're giving your life, saying, Jesus, I'm going to serve you. It is the best decision you'll ever make for your life. It's the most powerful decision you'll ever make. It's a decision where you actually lay down your life. It's a sacrifice. I'm going to count to three, and I'm actually not going to get you to close your eyes because it's actually a public decision. And Jesus is saying, come, follow me. It's the same thing that he said to the disciples. And he's got a plan, he's got a purpose for your life. And you might be sitting there saying, I'm not even sure what that plan and purpose is. Let me tell you this, it'll be a good plan. It'll be a good purpose. It's an eternal plan, it's an eternal purpose. So if you say, actually, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. I've been casting my nets all night on my own in a boat, but I don't want to do it anymore. I'm just going to count to three, and if that's you and you make a decision, I'd love you just to just slip your hand up high enough so I know I'm praying for. Be bold, be courageous. It takes courage. One, two, three. Hey, can we just give a round of applause to everyone who made the decision? You see, that is a life-changing decision. And it's a decision that shouldn't be taken lightly. Like Jesus will call you and he'll completely take you out of the boat and he'll do all sorts of incredible things. And there's a past that you can leave behind because your future is with Jesus. Hey, can we just pray together? And maybe you didn't put your hand up in that moment and that's okay because God sees your heart and you're saying, I want to I make a decision. We're going to say this prayer together out loud and some would say it's a prayer of salvation. Some say it's a sinner's prayer. Whatever you call it, I know it's a prayer that needs to be said. It's a prayer we lay our lives and give our lives to Jesus. Let's say it together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that Jesus died for me in my sinfulness. God, I pray that you help me walk a life that glorifies you. Equip me to honor you in all the things that I do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, can we give a huge round of applause to every single one of you who made that decision? And uh, there's some guys in the lanyards, and they're going to be holding these Bibles. And if you'd love to chat about faith, please go and speak to them. And we've got a gift for you. It is a Bible. And like I said, like this is 
the most important book you can ever have and it will help you no matter what you're going through and for those of you online you can download uh, there's an app called YouVersion but there's loads of Bible apps and just start getting in the Word and start understanding the promises that God has for your life. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.